This is episode 262 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now a word from our sponsor, Control and Compound. Here's how infinite banking works in under 60 seconds. You have to save your money somewhere. Well, we think the best place to save it is inside a cash value life insurance policy. You save some money in there, it grows tax-free for the rest of your life. Then an opportunity or emergency comes, comes along. Let's say a few years down the road, you can buy a business, buy a property, buy an income-producing asset. You leverage the infinite banking policy, borrow against your asset, take advantage of the opportunity. But your money still stays in the infinite banking policy. You're not borrowing your money. You're borrowing the insurance company's money. So your money's in the policy, it's in the opportunity, and it's providing a death benefit. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You get to retirement, you have this massive cash value, life insurance, leverage that tax-free, and you don't repay those loans. You sit on the beach and you spend that money tax-free every month doesn't show up on a tax return, and you leave your family a huge tax-free death benefit. For more information, visit www.controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have Adrian Pinozo on, and Adrian was on many years ago, and back then he was doing duplexes and triplexes, uh, raising investor funds. They were doing renos, uh, but man, has he ever grown since then, and now they're doing multifamilies, uh, eight, nine, 10 units, up to 60 units, and they're, they're funneling all these deals after renovation into the MLI Select program with CMHC, where they're getting 50-year amortizations and lower interest rates and uh, ultimately better cash flow and all their investors' money back out a lot of the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. So it was a really interesting story. I'm fascinated by the growth because it can make a lot of sense to see... Um, people grow and then sometimes you scratch your head and you're like, how did they grow that fast? But I know that on the inside, it was all logical. There was, you know, a, a moment where they realized, hey, we have a team that could handle this and we're paying this much for the service. Let's go ahead and insource property management and so on. So they've got in-house property management, construction, lead acquisition. And I, I called Adrian out on this because I've been thinking about doing this in the episode. Um, they're building their own lists manually uh, for acquisitions. So in the U.S., you have you have services like PropStream where you can just get you know any property address, owner information, all that uh, very easily. But in Canada, we don't have that that centralization of information. Well, they're doing some pretty interesting stuff to actually build their own lists, and uh, that takes a team, that takes systems. And Adrian is certainly systematic. Uh, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. There's a lot of gold nuggets dropped. So just before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you to please pause this for just one moment and rate and review this show five stars if you haven't already done so and share it with somebody you think it could help. Um, the best way you can help show gratitude if you're enjoying the show or if it's helping you is uh, to share it with somebody else you think it could help. And uh, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into this awesome episode with Adrian Pinozo. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Adrian Pinozo back on the show. It's been a couple of years, I think. Yeah, it's definitely what, at least four. I think it's been four at years, really? Four. Oh, so you were like the first year of the podcast. In, definitely okay. pre-COVID. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. realize it had been that long. Okay. So um, I think we were introduced back when you were, I, I probably heard of you through Sandy McKay. and Way back then, yeah. 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 Do you still work with Sandy? No, we don't. Oh, okay. No. So you were doing stuff with him back then, uh, but tell me like what's new? It's been it's been a while. Yeah, so we really scaled uh, over the last few years. Uh, we transitioned more so into the apartment building space. Um, okay. Historically, we've always been into the triplex, fourplex, 
uh, smaller multifamily space. And yeah, since rates went through the roof, um, so on and yeah. so forth, those numbers were hard to still be attractive, especially mm -hmm. with the burr and um, those refinances and capital being left in deals and whatnot. So we transitioned into the apartment building space, eight units, 12 units, okay. 20 units, and, and so on and so on. And we've really uh, been able to ramp things up and still make the numbers work with those um, mm -hmm. acquisitions, primarily because of the financing. Yeah, are you talking about MLI Select? So that exactly. was the big, the big change because you couldn't do that with a little duplex or a triplex, fourplex. None of that stuff is not going to work. But you go to the bigger stuff. Yeah, it now makes you can. A big difference. You can get uh, fifty-year amortizations. Bingo. Is that what you're typically getting? Yeah, with the MLI, the fifty-year amp, the ninety, um, ninety-five percent loan to value, mm -hmm. and um, we've we've actually been really lucky. We're hitting a uh, hundred points. On uh, the energy yeah. efficiency uh, yeah. model there, yeah, um, which obviously gives us those incentives and and those financing uh, incentives through CMHC. So, yeah, like for those of people still playing in the smaller areas, like mm -hmm. if if they can drum up the courage and the capital or whatever the requirements to get to that bigger playing field, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Just those two things alone, yeah. Well, so talk to me about the point system, because I've talked about this a little bit on uh, this and my other show. Uh, it's not just energy efficiency, right? You can you do have some uh, uh, more accessible units or you can do uh, uh, low cost units. Yes. Yeah. Low. Um, I forget the actual terminology. Yeah. But, yes. but under market rent. Yeah. yeah. And you have to have those in place. I, I don't remember because I don't I've never gone that route with mm. the with the MLI, um, but you have to have them in place for like. I think five years yeah, or something okay. like that, um, which for us really wasn't the direction we wanted to go. Um, but there are those two different components of the program. We've always opted to go energy efficiency. Um, typically, you're going to spend um, six grand, six, seven grand on the energy efficiency report. And obviously, if the building has a 20 year old boiler, mm. the biggest the biggest caveat is you want to get rid of the gas consumption. Yeah, they don't like gas, huh? So they you want to go heat gas. pumps with everything. Heat pumps in all the units. Yeah. Um, even obviously electric. Uh, if you have to subsidize a bathroom, then you're like throwing your baseboard okay. electric heater. So do you keep baseboards as backup when you yeah. do the resistant heating? Absolutely. Resistant heating, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the buildings that we've acquired over the last several years have all been... Um, low on the energy efficiency podium. Yeah. So we've been able to hit those 100 points uh, quite easily so just by eliminating that boiler and going to heat pumps everywhere. So just put them in every single LED unit. lights, yeah. low flush toilets, uh, mm -hmm. low water consumption taps and all that jazz. Um, yeah. But the beauty of it is it spelled all out for you in that uh, yeah. energy efficient report that you're paying seven grand for. So you get the report at the beginning or is this like it's a two-part report? They, they visit at the beginning and then they do they make some recommendations and then you carry them out and then they exactly. do a final a yeah. final inspection and then the report? Is that how that works? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. But you know what the, the funny part is? Um, there is no final report. There's no final inspection. Oh, okay. With CMHC, obviously you're signing you're signing away that the work's been done as so per they say to the do model. it, and then you just you do it. Yeah, and then you're yeah. supposed to be carrying out that work, and then signing off that the that work has it. been completed and whatnot, and then you're good to go. 
Okay. Now they did recently change this program, something to do with the financing. They didn't like the construction element or private, what is it? Private lending. They don't like that element of it. Yes. Yes. So CMHC came out with, it was a couple months ago now. If you, um, Mm -hmm. first of all, you have to use an NHA approved lender. Okay. Don't ask me what the acronym stands for. National Housing Association, I'm guessing. Yeah, something like that. So you have to use an NHA approved lender from the start. So, for example, Peak Hill uh, is an NHA or Equitable okay. is NHA approved. Um, so, if you're going to go with, uh, let's say, a VTB from the start or a fully private or something like that, so then you're going to need two years with an institution before. Bingo. This is what I was thinking. Like, I feel like your RBCs, your TDs, and all that, like they're eventually just going to come out with some sort of supporting program to say, okay, do it for two years, and we'll we'll move you into a right an MLI select program right. at that point. Because right now, as yeah. you mentioned, the way it stands, if you went with a private yeah. to start, you've you can't apply to CMHC until that last construct until until construction's finished. So if it's a two year construction project, yeah, then construction's done. You take let's say your last construction draw, mm-hmm. then you the clock starts then for two years for another two yeah. year period. So they don't like so it has to be with a proper bank or an NHA approved lender, and it has to be two years after construction's done. And this is to weed out rent evictions. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the know. Yeah. Exactly. So that obviously is a wrinkle. So, and you're trying to bank on this, right? You're setting up new deals, you're bringing in investors, and, and all the while, um, I guess they could change this yearly, right? They could change their. And do whatever they want. Yeah. So they did, they had to ran it for one year and then they, then they made a big bunch of big changes, right? Right. So if yeah. you anticipated, you know, you're selling this to your investor to be in and out of the deal, mm-hmm. let's say, and you know, 16 months, 18 yeah. months, you just tacked on another 24 months on top yeah. of that, which obviously yeah. changes the numbers. It changes the dynamics. It changes the expected return. Um, but with any luck, you can find a way to make some cash flow in the meantime. And this not so bad. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not the end all be all, but it definitely a little bit of a wrinkle. Yeah, for sure. So this is this is the methodology now. I, I get that. So you kind of changed. I remember before because you were doing stuff like the duplex, the up down duplex, and then you could add two more units to it. And now that's probably even legal. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you can make them legal for yeah, sure. Yeah. But you know, I guess our our um, we hit the wall there when you know we were doing these and we were refinancing these triplexes mm-hmm. north of a million dollars. Yeah. And refinancing them at two, 2.5%. And they worked really well. Cash flow. Well, yeah. and we pulled out all our equity and, you know, sometimes even additional equity yeah. or additional capital coming out. So you're yeah. you know, 50 grand above what you put in, so to speak. And the numbers worked and you still had cash flow mm-hmm. at two and a half percent. Yeah. But given your were high sixes, low sevens, and now you have a $1.1 million mm-hmm. refinance. That once yeah. was 2.5, but now it's 7%. It changes things. So do you have some of those in your portfolio still that are just coming up and renewing and it's not so pretty? They've all, well, it hasn't been pretty for a while because they've yeah. all been variable. Oh, okay. So yeah. we've always, I mean, well, you know, as well as I do, if you opted for variable yeah. prior to all, you know, this happening. For a while, it was very profitable. In the long last, run, it's considered profitable. It's just yeah. in the short run, it might not be. Yeah, it stings a bit yeah. right now, for sure. Yeah. Definitely uh, negative cash flow on some of those properties because mm-hmm. uh, most of them, like you I have older tenants all, in them. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you could get it up to market rents, it could probably cure that. It would that. definitely soften the blow. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Some of them are definitely, 
in the red. I mean, but I'm a firm believer, you know, if you can ride the wave and yeah. things start to turn around, we'll, we'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should, I, I, like the, the issues and the fundamentals are, are the same. Like we still need housing. There's a, there's a huge deficit in housing for the number of people coming into the country. Obviously the dynamics of that could change, but as, a, as it looks right now, it's hard to imagine prices stay down that long unless something happens with immigration and it doesn't come in that, that quickly right. anymore. Right. But it, like if anything this year, less houses, I, I'd have to look at the reports for 2023, but I'm sure less housing starts happened than 2022. It would make sense because yeah. just a lot of developers are just like uncertain. So th there's, you know, circling around uh, a reason why it, housing in Ontario probably still makes a lot of sense if you can bear dealing with the landlord tenant board and, and all the issues that come with that. So tell me your outlook now in Ontario, knowing the landlord tenant board has become a little bit more difficult to deal with. Uh, the waits have been longer, although it's getting a bit better now. Slowly but surely, yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad last year. Like, let's say first, second quarter of uh, mm -hmm. 2023 was horrendous, mm -hmm. horrendous. But yeah, I've noticed uh, it's starting to pick up. Um, we're still we're still acquisition mode. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's all about the deal. But we, we, we're still buying. We're still uh, searching. Um, we've, we've expanded our team. So we have an in-house um, off-market team now that um we're campaigning huge are you mailing letters yeah yeah we're yeah. mailing that that's our primary like we're sending out 20 30 thousand dollar uh flyers uh across obviously targeted um cities and areas yeah that's um, way more than just hamilton i would assume yeah, obviously and you're yeah. just trying you're just going after the multifamily. yeah so are you I guess the question is about the lists. Are you actually manually building these lists for each city based on tax roll data for the mail outs and all that? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's something not a lot of people do. I've been talking about that lately. I'm like, in the States, that's so common. Like, it's just, yeah, you can just do that so easily. But here, the information, it's not like you can just go on PropStream and get all that data. No, no. I, I can we, get that data within the hour for like most American cities. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's worked well for us. Um, and obviously we still, uh, we still partner with different investors. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously we're bringing those great opportunities to our database, whether we're going to partner on that acquisition or we end up just wholesaling that deal, uh, to different investors that, um, don't want to partner. They just say, Hey, if you got mm -hmm. a great X amount, here's my budget, let mm -hmm. me know. Uh, so no, we've had, uh, it was a good year um, last year with respect to adding that component to our office. Yeah. Um, we did well. We did so well. So you're bringing in your own leads. You can sell some of them if you're if you're not going to do them all. Um, that's Absolutely. a nice thing to to bring in. And then of course you can get your pick like of the deals you want, the deals that make the most sense to you. Yeah, we're still we're still a little bit of a battle with sellers are still thinking the expectations are still high right yeah yeah so they you're hitting them up with an off-market offer they're like great how much are you going to give me like thinking yeah. that they got a live one and they want to yeah. they want to negotiate a deal as if it was on market and they're paying yeah. realtor fees and five yeah. percent fees and all this jazz and it's yeah kind of like it's we get it done but it takes a lot longer because you're dealing with mostly you know the older european kind of folk that uh, yeah. are set in their ways but yet they think they're going to get you know, two thirty yeah. a two thirty a door, 
yeah. went off market, you're probably somewhere about a buck sixty-five to a buck seventy-five. And what cities would you be those those rates? We're in? looking at uh, Hamilton, St. Catharines, yeah. uh, Welland, mm-hmm. um, Niagara, obviously less in Niagara. Um, picked up uh, some stuff in Burlington. Okay. Um, so yeah, it just it's it takes longer with negotiations, but once the uh, You'll always, you know, sometimes we let it go. Then we come back to the table and, hey, it's us again. And mm-hmm. baby steps again. And then finally, you know, three months later. But obviously, uh, the juice is worth the squeeze, so to speak. Yeah, it's worth playing the long game on that stuff. You keep on them and you have a list of leads that just keep following up. And eventually, their expectations come down and time time passes, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. bingo. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. Now, does some of these people go and list and then and then take it back off, or on occasion that, yeah, that happens sometimes? Like we just couldn't make it happen, and then they're like, "Oh, you know, my brother-in-law or my cousin or somebody, yeah. you know, is a realtor. I'm just going to list it," and then they end up listing, and it doesn't go anywhere either. So then, then they it, come back it, to you, it, and they're more circle. willing to. And it's like okay, yeah. and we're watching it, so we're yeah. we're waiting for it, the listing to get canceled or yeah. expire, and then obviously. Then you reach out again. <laughs> we reach out again. Yeah. And some sometimes it's been like seven months and then finally we get it done. Again, the yeah. juice is worth the squeeze. So what kind of software are you guys using to track that? Because that's obvious you you have a big operation. You probably got a lot in the pipeline. Yeah. So we just our CRM is follow up boss. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common one. A lot of realtors use that one, yeah. right? Yeah. Big in the real estate space. Okay. We find it well. It's it's really user friendly. It's, mm-hmm. it's simple, simple, simple to use. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Simple is needed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you have that volume, so yeah, like is, if you're sending a thirty thousand in, in a month, a typical month, you're thirty thousand flyers. No, I'd or, say, uh, a, let's say a quarter. I'd oh, a say quarter, we're okay. probably thirty thousand a quarter. Okay. Yeah, but I mean that's a mailing Still direct a to apartment owners. So so you basically have gathered lists from those cities and potentially a couple others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of work. So you have some boots on the ground to go around all that yeah, information. Yeah, we have up. two guys full time yeah. uh, that are doing that for us, and mm-hmm. um, obviously they're uh, they're our eyes and ears, and they're bringing us the deals first mm-hmm. as as we get responses coming in, and then we'll mm-hmm. we'll set up meetings, obviously tour the building, and then yeah, bring uh, and again it's usually older gentlemen that have had the building for 20, yeah a lot of years. European owners yeah they, they don't want it anymore they're ready to cash in the kids don't want it yeah and they don't want to deal with that so they're I guess they've yeah. seen their dad go up and down and sideways over the last yeah. 30 years so they're yeah. like, not dealing with that so then yeah. it comes to us and obviously we capitalize yeah that makes a lot of sense uh, it's most importantly getting in those conversations being able to close quickly so how have you set yourself up to be able to to jump on those opportunities because obviously some of them are going to come in they're going to be bigger buildings well i guess you were cherry picking what you want yeah obviously. what's the biggest you're going for 50 60 units okay and so you're a couple of million into those yeah, easy so uh, do you keep a certain amount of liquid just to be able to move on those or are you raising funds quickly when we're raising funds pretty quick I wouldn't mm-hmm. like if we got five tomorrow and they're all yeah. 40 units, could I do that? No. Okay. So you'd be passing on some of yeah, the deals. Yeah, we'd be definitely passing on. Have you found um, yourself having to pass on some deals or you probably usually have somebody in your network that'll take it? Yeah. There's, yeah. They're, they're not coming in. Like, like I said, the max we'll be dealing with like actively, we can close, we can, you know, get this under contract this week, so to speak, is maybe two to three um, mm-hmm. a month. Two to three a month, um, sometimes more. Uh, but I'd say bare minimum, we're we're looking at at least three deals a month. So you're 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 going firm on three deals a month. 
We're putting under contract. Putting under contract. Oh, okay. Three okay. Days so you're month. firming up on how many of those do you think? I'd say at least two. Two. So two thirds get get at closed. Yeah, and if we can't, then we'll we'll wholesale yeah. it out to the database as far as hey, we're not going to do it in partnership with so and so, but we'll put it out to the database. So your math is like twenty four buildings a year you're closing. Give or take, I, I'd yeah. say we're definitely north of 20. That's insane. Yeah, we're north of and 20. And you're raising all this. We're raising it through. Uh, so I think the next step is potentially going to uh, a fund structure. Mm -hmm. But right now, typically, we're just in partnerships. So just people coming in. Do you do like a GPLP per building? More or of a JV structure. Just a JV per building. So do they put it in their name and, and you partner in it or it's in your name or equal? Uh, it depends on the structure. It could be in theirs or we just obviously start a new entity, new corp. Yeah. And then just 50, and then 50 we, shareholders. Yeah. Then we have the splits. Would on that the be the normal? Typically, yes. Yeah. Like a shareholder agreement. And that's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your, so ownership wise of your organization, is it just you or is it like a family? Right thing? now, it, Yeah. Right now it's just me and my family. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> how many employees do you have? Spread across our entire organization. So um, we have a construction, in-house construction. We have property management um, in-house as well. And then obviously mm -hmm. the acquisition side, the off-market side. Mm -hmm. um, and we launched a new uh, uh, real estate office as well. 6,000 square feet in Hamilton. Uh, yeah. So I'd say across the board, we're probably 20. Okay. 17 to 20. And you're a realtor? Licensed real estate as well. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you still do some of that transacting? Uh, yeah, I'm still actively yeah. transacting as well. Yeah. Do you, so. do you play golf too? or <laughs> I travel. <laughs> like people say, so what do you do for fun? Because you work 12, 14 hours a day, yeah. six days a week. I love to travel. Yeah. Uh, if we can get away six, seven times a year. Yeah. Because uh, I guess the pace we're going at and everything we have on the go. Um, honestly, I need it. I just need to... Yeah, I would say. Unwind. Yeah. Um, it's like having six two-year-olds six two year olds running around in your house. <laughs> like we were just talking about that. Yeah. Both of us. But yeah, it, it gets pretty hectic. But we have some really, really good uh, team members in place that definitely mm -hmm. we leverage to obviously help us out. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, how do you find that transition goes? Like, how did... Because I don't know, before, I don't think you were anywhere near that number of employees back when you were doing the, the, no, the duplexes, a smaller scale operation. I remember you telling me you were a police officer before. And yeah, how long ago was it? Was that? So I, uh, I did 21 years of service mm -hmm. um, in Mississauga, Brampton. Mm -hmm. And I retired from the police department in 2017. And you were already fully underway with with investing at that yeah, point. Yeah, I'd already picked up a few. Yeah. You know, I had a, a decent sized portfolio by the time I left the police department. Uh, again, more in the duplex, triplex, fourplex space. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, once I really focused on just being a full-time investor, uh, things really started to scale after yeah. that. And <clears throat> where do you find... Like when was the biggest point of acceleration? Was it like a linear or was it was it an exponential curve of like team growth, revenue growth, asset growth? I'd say after 2021. Yeah. Um, it exploded um, after that, really. Let's say within the last 
two and a half, two to two and a half years, it really exploded where I really just hunkered down and focused on that business model of, um, I like to say Costco, mm -hmm. where we really honed everything under one roof. Okay. Uh, right from, again, uh, sourcing, sourcing the deal, uh, underwriting the deal, presenting the deal to investors, yeah. followed by the construction in-house, followed by the property management in-house, and uh, step one to step 10. And it really attracted a lot of um, mm -hmm. high net worth individuals. Yeah. as far as being that one-stop shop and I'm only dealing with Adrian and Adrian's team and and it's all in-house yeah. and I think it really attracted a lot of like I said really good investors um because they felt comfortable that it was Costco yeah meaning you got a big variety of stuff <laughs> yeah and, and it's yeah. we're not sourcing you know Luigi down the street to do that yeah. or, or Tony here from there it's just Adrian and his team so to speak yeah, that, uh, obviously there's a convenience to that. So you can just... And our competitive, yeah. like, obviously owning shares of uh, the acquisitions and stuff, mm -hmm. we're very competitive in our pricing and, and our value that we're, we're giving everybody. And um, mm -hmm. they're dealing with me directly and um, uh, right from the start to finish. So I'm there to answer questions. It, um, half, well, you know, in the business, half of your day is spent on the phone talking, negotiating, uh, bringing opportunities, and then uh, still keeping that relationship with the investors as we go through the project from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to do. And I guess I'm just, I'm just so fascinated by the fact that like, you were at one point, not an entrepreneur at all, <laughs> zero <laughs> just working business, a job, <laughs> zero business background. And to this day, it was more of self-taught. Yeah. I drove a cruiser you know, for yeah. 21 years. And um, it just kind of grew organically. And then learn as you go, uh, training on the job of myself, failing. There's been some, there's been some ups and downs for sure. Um, but I've learned from different failures along the way. Mm -hmm. Nothing major, just little hiccups here and there. You know, one project went that way when it should have went that way, but we fixed it and kept moving. But, you know, like they say, you know, you fail forward yeah. and you learn and you keep going. <clears throat> so yeah, no business background at all, just a bit of luck, I guess a little bit of energy and persistence. Well, you're definitely bringing energy to it. Um, you know, some of these moves, they would be hard for somebody on the outside to understand fully when for you, they were probably logical and in sequence. Like, oh, okay, well, we're paying this much for property management. We've got a team. Let's just move it in-house and figure it out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, and I think... You know, I loved I loved being on the job with the police and it, it really taught me a lot of sequence and it taught me a lot of if I do this, that, you know, six months down the road, you know, come court time, what's going to happen in court if we investigate something this way? And it's kind of taught me the step by steps, even just your mental planning. Uh, so if I you know, carry out a project this way and I do this and that, what's it going to be like a year and a half when we're ready to refinance yeah. and kind of forecasting and planning the project accordingly. So you don't get stuck, you know, taking a huge bath on it. So just mindset, if that's the word I'm looking for and or organization mm -hmm. and step-by-step -step planning, the police department taught me a lot of that too. 
Because there was always the final day always yeah. happened in court. And yeah. you're going to justify everything you did and your actions on the road in court. And obviously, if, if you carried out yourself properly and I guess planning properly, you're going to have a conviction yeah. at the end of that case. Same as if you plan out your project, your yeah. 30 unit, you know, X amount million dollar acquisition from start to finish, taking into account, you know, obviously how long is it going to take us to turn this over? How many tenants are lifers there and we're going to have to pay extra and, yeah. and all these other things that can happen. If you factor all those things in, you're that much plausible to be successful at the end. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I, I think... Like that's one element of it, but the other is like you're pushing at a at a pretty aggressive level. Like to to go out and keep acquiring and acquire at that pace is, I mean, from an individual like from a from a basic need standpoint, way beyond. So way beyond. What is it that that drives you to do that? I love it. I love it. It's fun. Um, uh, we've we have such a good system in place now, and um, we're not you know. Uh, touching on the fact of over leveraging, we're not over leveraging, we're not using private funds mm -hmm. here, there and everywhere, you know, 14, 16%, you know, you hear some horror stories about that. Mm -hmm. um, we, we really have honed um, r right from our underwriting capabilities to our lending capabilities and everything in between. Um, and the people we're partnering with are, are obviously high net worth individuals as well. And I think the trajectory coming back is, is definitely going to work in our favor mm -hmm. for sure. Cause I, I still believe we're buying these buildings under value or under market, um, at the present time. And I, you know, well, the way you're buying them is helping with that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So. Um, where do you see yourself or where do you see, I guess, if you were, you had a crystal ball, the next, the way 2024 is going to play out? Yeah. I mean, I think people are a little too optimistic about the interest rate uh, dropping and that actual sentiment is actually going to be likely to stop it from dropping because the, all the, like the bond markets like are, are pricing in like rate drops, <laughs> But that, that's assuming it's going to happen. But that actual very, very thing is causing people to be a little more bullish right. on the market. So I think it actually makes it a lot more likely that we're probably going to see very few rate cuts this year, if any. That's that's kind of my thought uh, for the year. I think a more stagnant uh, real estate uh, market that's stalled for a while is, is probably the most likely outcome as this whole balance of immigration versus interest rate battle plays out. You know, one's pushing one way, one's pushing the other for real estate prices. So uh, where it lands, who knows? Um, but I definitely, I, I find it interesting that you are, you know, doing this in Ontario because I think a lot of people are sleeping on Ontario right now. So many people are fed up with the the real estate laws, the, the landlord-tenant board. Landlord-tenant board's killing it. They, they do, but... For anybody willing to put up with it and prices that into their deals, it's it's like there's your opportunity. Uh, and I've I've given this example before, but one of the most profitable deals I had done up to that point, it was like back in like 2017. It was in a heritage neighborhood where everybody just avoided it. Mm -hmm. So I got a property for like 70 grand under what it would have cost, and it ended up being one of my more profitable deals, uh, most profitable at that point, because I was doing business in a place everybody else thought, Nah, I don't want to do that. 
But so if you're willing to learn the systems, kind of like learn how to navigate that market, you can do really well. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. We should, uh, we should run through a, a deal, like something you're looking at, get an idea of kind of how I the wish I brought work. my laptop because I'm actually looking at a uh, vacant six unit right now. Okay. Um, but I don't obviously have the numbers memorized. But yeah, but even just getting into some ballparks of what you're kind of looking at in general, you yeah. know, buildings at this price point, rents are going to be around these points, you know. I can generally, yeah, in yeah, generality, we can. Yeah, we can like, you know, it. generalize a Hamilton deal for me. So let, let's talk about, um, let's talk about this six unit uh, vacant. Okay. Sorry, it's a seven unit vacant um, in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um it uh, purchase price um, is eight hundred and fifty thousand. Man, it wasn't that long ago people were buying duplexes for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely vacant. It's um, it's pretty much down. Let's just say it's down to the studs. Okay. So here's a scenario where somebody purchased it about uh, let's call it two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Got in way over their head yeah. as far as uh, the construction component. So many people lose their shirts on the mm-hmm. construction component. If they really, uh, it's the first, second, or third rodeo, and they're getting into mm-hmm. a an apartment building, seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar reno. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's really made a lot of people lose a lot of money. But anyhow, yeah, construction is not for the faint of heart. Like you, you've got to know what's going on there. You got to trust your contractor if you're using one, and that's not an easy thing to do. No, because everybody's yeah. got a bad story about a general contractor. I think well, we all people, have, assumed, at one point in time. You know, I was just talking to a contractor that did work on on my house, and I thought he was a gr- like pretty good guy, very patient. And uh, when push comes to shove, you know, there's some problems with the work from years ago. You know, what's his attitude about it? Pretty much don't call me. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and that's, and that's like that's like a good contractor yeah you know? it's not like he smoked you in the middle of the of construction or anything no. like that yeah no but it's just and i get it like a lot of people are in a hard time right now so it's just like yeah what do you want from me <laughs> yeah well i get it so that, that's why it's all about positioning yourself and having leverage in the relationship and i i like things kept right around neutral you know, you don't have leverage on me. I don't have leverage on you. We do business together because we like to, but that is a tricky part, right? Because getting to that relationship is not necessarily easy. Right. Yeah. Or if, you know, if, if obviously if they really like doing business with you, they'll always be good with you. So that's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're there. You have on-house, an in-house team for that too. Yeah. We have yeah. our in-house team yeah. and we have, uh, once we, if we're really busy, then we always go to, uh, a really select small core of subcontractors yeah. that we give a lot of business to. So we have so, a, obviously they appreciate uh, when the phone rings because they yeah. know it's, it's your regular business yeah. for them. Yeah, that makes sense. So how much do you think on this eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar gutted sevenplex that you're gonna you're gonna spend we're, to get we're it? We're averaging uh, sixty five thousand a unit. Yeah. So you'll be four four fifty five or so, and then you'd have some carrying costs associated there as well. Yeah. Let's call it let's call this project um by the time the refinance is completed, let's call it a year. Mm-hmm. So it's a year. What do you figure you'd spend in a year just like whatever mortgage? Holding? Yeah. Uh so um we're probably gonna be well, this is gonna be for sure. Um coming from uh, this will be a, a 10% loan 
10% loan. Because it's it's vacant and it's down in the studs. And you're borrowing for the rental money too. Yeah. Ultimately. So you're you're going to be like over 100 then like 110,000 probably. Plus your you know insurance and and such. So we'll call it 120 mm-hmm. to carry it for the year. So you're in for like 1.425 all said and done when it's done. Does that make sense? One four. Let's round it off to 15. Yeah, 15. Okay. All right. 1.5 million. And not bad for a sevenplex that's fully, you know, basically new on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you figure you'll rent for on those seven units? Like, are they so two all, beds, one bed? No, beds? they're all one beds. Okay. And I'm figuring 17, let's be conservative and say 1,700. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, just running these numbers live here. Okay. So about 11900 a month on that. Uh, Expense-wise, um, let's just jump into some of these numbers. We'll just ballpark them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's no gas because we're going to do all heat pumps. So let's say yeah. buck fifty a month on water. Let's say hydro, common hydro. Um, let's even go on the high end, which I don't think it'll be, but let's say 200. Worst 200 case, I think 12. it's closer to, what about, anyhow. What about the hot water? Is that, uh, do you have separate hot water tanks for each unit or do you have one centralized? No, we'll have a centralized tank. So you'll have, will that be electric or gas? That'll be electric. Electric. How big of a tank for six? Uh what are they, 80 or 100 gallon? You can get a 100 gallon electric tank? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have, that'll be contributing to your electric, your common electric, probably yeah. maybe make it a little bit higher. 300 a month, you think? Could be. Let's say, yeah. Let's say worst yeah. case scenario. Yeah. All right. So you're getting rid of gas completely and that, that satisfies the MLI select exactly. requirement. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. So 5,400 a year on utilities I'm getting there, uh, just between water and electric. Okay. No gas. Okay. So taxes wise, after you're done, what do you think you're going to be at there? Prop tax? Yeah. Let's call it um, 7 to 10. 7 to 10. Okay. We'll do 10,000 for conservative. And an insurance on a building like that, like 5,000 or 4,000? Yeah, maybe four. Go high if you want. Okay. Um, and now maintenance. I just have one maintenance number to cover maintenance and life cycle maintenance. I, I know technically with CMHC they do what two two percent for life cycle, and then they would do what seven or eight. It's eight hundred a door now. Yes. Yeah, it's per door. Yeah. So we're gonna be. Let's see here. I really should adjust how I do this. I'm gonna just add a row. So. Neat. Okay, so that's going to be, let's call it 800 a door times the seven units. Okay, and then we've got utilities done management-wise. Are you guys do it just doing it internal? Yeah, we'll do it in-house, yeah. obviously. So probably we should allocate something just for an internal cost. We'll put like 3% on that. Yeah, I was going to say three. Yeah, I know CMHC, what would CMHC be? They'd be like four and a quarter, their assumption? Yeah, I'd say four and a quarter to four and a half. Yeah, we'll run it at four just because that's sort of where their heads will be at. But um, just come back to that. So landscaping and snow, what do you got to do there? 
It's called a 200 a month. 200 a month across the year? Yeah, because there's really... It's not huge? No, it's it's puny. Okay, so 2400 a year takes care of that. And then I just have like a $500 miscellaneous cost uh, allowance here. Mm-hmm. Anything else that would have been in there? No? Garbage removal? Or do they just put it up no, to the curb so themselves? Curb. All right. And okay, so value, what do you think that's worth when you're done? I think you should run it at about a five and a half cap. Um, to come up with the value. Yeah. So probably around, uh, like 1.950. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. 5.4% cap. Um, DCR will be the question. Like, I guess if you're going MLI select 1.1, DCR and then you're, what do you think you're likely to get? Like you're going to go for the 95%. Okay. So going for 95%, 50 year M. Yep. And you're going to be at what, like a four and a half percent with that? Four. I think right now it's about 4.6, 4.7. 4.7. Let's see. So, yeah, like you'll just get your DCR. So, at 1.95, you, you know these numbers. Uh, 1.95 is about a 5.4 cap, uh, 1.1 DCR based on a 95% mortgage, 50 year AM, 4.7 interest rate. So there's $800 of cash flow left there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, obviously not a cash flow monster, but mm-hmm. probably a stable building that's going to go up in value quite a bit over time. And, and rents, we... rents will go up over time, right? Right. And what is the, what does the exit look like? Do you have those figures? Oh, yeah. How much money you got left <clears> in the deal? That's, uh, that's a good question. Okay. So let's see. We have... A new mortgage of 1.8, you're all in for 1.5. So yeah, you're pulling out 350,000. There you go. So there's no there's no money left in that deal. You know, and you have some flex to leave money in the Yeah, in the, I was going to say we probably wouldn't pull the entire Don't pull out, out the entire amount. You could even go 80% loan to value with those terms. Then you got 2,000 cash flow. You're still pulling out 60 grand. You know. Bingo. That's okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not allowing for legal fees and stuff here. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's obviously going to be extra costs. Um, I'd be happy to pull out 60 to 100 grand. And then have a cash capital. flowing asset, do it all over again. Yeah. And would you say your average deal is like a perfect burr like that? No, I would say we got to be comfortable with at least, obviously our investors want to get the most amount of their capital out. Yeah. Um, they they actually are more attracted to that than having $3,000 a month cash flow because they want to rinse and repeat the model. Because you can keep growing your wealth. Because, well, I mean, in this one, you're not like, it's not like you're aggressively paying off your mortgage. You're paying off like 650 bucks a month. And yeah. that's if you do the, uh, the 80% loan to value. Um, so you could obviously uh, speed up that AM. Like there's room here in the cash flow. There's room in the DCR. You could go 40 years and... You know, and that's actually nice because if if MLI select if CMHC changes the, the the program, you still have flex. Right. Yeah. Right. Heck, you could probably make this work at seventy five percent on a twenty five year. M. No, not quite. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> the DCR wouldn't work as well. So you kind of still want to get a CMHC program of some sort there. Yeah. So would you say like every one of your buildings you're running them to CMHC? Yes, as of yeah. late, yeah, I would yeah. say within the last year, like every single one. Yeah, and what about the ones where you're in transition? Did you have any where you where you were with the wrong lender? And what's your interim plan? Like, is this one going to be ready to go to CMHC right away? Or that is- one will go right away. Um, the intern plan is obviously a second bridge. 
So you'd um, go to an institution, get a bridge for a couple of years, and, and then, then pull out the rest of the pull money. Out the rest of the so money. in that type of scenario, you can help protect your investors' like level of return by getting them a chunk of their money back. So now exactly. their cash on cash goes up, um, and their return relative to you know exactly. what they originally put in is better. Yeah, yeah, it's not the greatest, but it's not the yeah. worst case scenario either. You're still yeah. getting a good chunk. And what do you find investor sentiment is like when, you know, you have to have these conversations. I feel like a lot of investors are very aware of the situation and, and kind of just needing to be adaptable. A lot of these, what's funny is a lot of these high net worth people that we're working with as of late, they get it. They really yeah. do. It's um, historically more of, you know, years ago when we were doing the smaller stuff mm -hmm. and people were leveraging, you know, everything yeah. they had on yeah. a small HELOC they they didn't they were there were more challenges they there. were going to be higher needs investors right Maybe they're no. they're more like people investing yeah their last dollar they're not okay to lose it they're going to be very hands-on with you uh whereas you got these larger investors where it's just a tiny little piece of the pie for them exactly and it's kind of like hey adrian um and these big big boys they've never come to see the the building they yeah. don't want to see the building they yeah. just it's just Give me a shout if something's wrong. Give me, yeah. uh, you know, a bi-weekly update on how things are progressing with, you know, the turnover, the construction, stuff like that. Quick little yeah. email. And they're completely satisfied. To date, all these high rollers, they they don't even, yeah. no interest to see the building. What's your process to build out those contacts? Because, I mean, content-wise, like, yeah, I know you are putting out some content. Like, what? how are you attracting these people? I think uh, a lot of them are referrals. Okay. Um, so... Like you have Friends. one investor talk about something exactly. they're doing. Yeah, Adrian can take care of you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them, the bulk yeah. of them are referrals. A lot of them are coming from different um, high net worth um, meetup groups that uh, we attend. Okay. Um, and just being in that circle with some other high net worth people. And then obviously yeah. you're rubbing elbows at the dinner table or, uh, yeah. you know, at the cocktail table, you're rubbing elbows yeah. and... Those conversations start, oh, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, wow, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there's no real magic trick. Yeah, just consistency. And I, yeah. I imagine you put all these people into follow-up boss as well. And, and stay, in, stay in follow touch. Up, stay in touch. Yeah. Invite them out to different functions that we're holding, stuff like that. Um, they just like the whole real deal of, you know, mm -hmm. we're deeply entrenched here. It's not like, you know, I'm working out of my basement. Um, yeah my laptop, so to speak. Obviously, we have a professional office like yours, mm -hmm. um, a full circle staff, a full circle operation where you're like, okay, these guys are the real deal. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. It, it's like I said, crazy impressive, you know, coming from police officer, not an entrepreneur to real estate investor, then to massive organization builder, in-housing, everything. And I understand it's all logical steps. And then from the inside, which would be really cool to have just had a little camera on your shoulder following you around over these years. <laughs> yeah, we've, all. we've definitely scaled it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, I am very grateful. It, it could have went the opposite way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it, it all worked out. Um, mm -hmm. Super grateful. Super yeah. grateful. Awesome. Well, what, what have we not covered that you would want to share on today? We covered a lot. We covered our, our whole ecosystem, our in-house group of companies that yeah. exactly, ex, you know, perform in synergy together to create what we yeah. want to create for our investors. Um, we're obviously a family um, run organization and have our team behind us. Um, 
No, all in all, um, been in the business 13 years now. Yeah. Like from been in the business, meaning bought my first rental property 13 years ago, and I still have it actually to this day. And Very cool. I bought it from our good friend, Mark Loeffler. Oh, yeah? Believe it or not, he was my first uh, deal in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, and it was a flip of his, and uh, I still have it to this day. And uh, there's probably, you know, I'll leave off with this. There's probably no deal. The only thing I haven't done in real estate is land development. Mm-hmm. And I know you've you've obviously gone there, but as far as the multifamily space, um, there's probably no deal I haven't somehow uh, navigated, been involved in, uh, and and gained that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if people just want to pick my brain on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of this and that or whatnot. Um, yeah. We've we've definitely uh, been involved in every kind of transaction in the multifamily space uh, that I can help with. And obviously a, a, a ton of experience behind us, given how we've been able to scale. Yeah, really cool. So if people want to learn a little bit more about your, you know, your journey, uh, is there a place that they can go to do that? We're so active on social media, yeah. uh, Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn. Yeah. Under your um, name? Uh, Generational Wealth Inc. Generational Wealth Inc. So is that the Instagram handle? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or my name, Adrian Pinozo. Uh, yeah. If you put that on Instagram, it'll cool. come up as well. Easiest way, send us a message. Um, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming over. It was, uh, yeah. It's been great again. It's been four years. Cool since, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Great chat. Yeah. Likewise. Well, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. And now a word from our sponsor, Control and Compound. Infinite banking in under 60 seconds. We've all got to save our money somewhere, and we think that a high cash value life insurance policy is the perfect place to save it. Why? We're going to save our money inside this policy, and it's going to grow tax-free. Down the road, we're going to get hit with an emergency or an opportunity, maybe a chance to buy a business, real estate property, an income-producing asset, and instead of withdrawing from our savings account, we're going to leverage that asset. We're going to borrow the insurance company's money, and we're going to invest in that opportunity. Our money is still inside of that policy, compounding, uninterrupted, tax-free, and our money's outside in this investment opportunity. We're going to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, all while providing a death benefit for our families. Down the road, we're going to retire. Now we retire with a high cash value life insurance policy with a lot of cash. We're going to start taking those policy loans again, but this time we're never going to pay them back. When I say never, I mean we're going to pay them back with the death benefit when we die, and our families are going to get left with the rest completely tax-free. For more information, visit www.controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines.